Welcome to another edition of J&J Sports Pod Radio Cast. Something like that. Something like that. I don't know if I've ever gotten it right. Nobody has. I'm with Jacob here, as usual. Uh, what's, uh, What's going on, buddy? Oh, not too much. Just enjoying another Saturday afternoon. Being lazy, but it's all good. Excellent. That's what I'm talking about. And, uh, same here. So, it's been a while since we've done one of these bad boys. has been a little while. There's a lot of things have been going on that hopefully we're going to be able to dive into on this particular pod. So, I'm excited to get started and, and get your opinion on some things. I know, yeah. Same here. So, firstly, since while we were gone, kind of a big thing happened that usually doesn't happen in NBA that was the Rockets and Pistons trade that got rescinded after the Pistons failed Moti Yunus's physical. So the trade was the Pistons sent Joel Anthony and a first-round pick this season, or probably first-round pick, was protected minorly, for uh, Moti Yunus. And then the Rockets sent a second-round pick and the rights to a Nigerian forward. Chuck Woodbury Madalbum uh, to the Sixers and just a cut money mm-hmm. of Joel of sending Joel Anthony. Oh, and they also sent Joel Anthony, sorry. Anyways, so that trade got rescinded and because the Pistons failed Mati Yunus' physical and Mati Yunus wasn't pleased because he's a restricted free agent and he that like really hurts his value. Yeah, he's he's been struggling since having back surgery. Really, only played in a handful of games. So it's a I think it's a bigger blow to the Rockets than it is to the Pistons because Rockets were going to get that first round pick, and that was that was something that they'd really been wanting to get. So to have to have him fail that physical, I think, was a bigger blow to the Rockets than it was for the Pistons. Yeah, um, he played in the last three games. But he has not looked good. He looks like a guy who just had back surgery a year ago, which probably isn't a good sign. Mm -hmm. But um, back to your point, I do agree that it's a bigger blow to the Rockets. This guy has so much skill, but... Or maybe it's the biggest blow to him, because if two teams, both the Rockets, who are trying to trade him, because I don't think they want to keep him and or sign give them match any offer that's given because it'll probably be big maybe and the pistons if both those teams don't want them then that really hurts your value when it's dealing with an injury the two teams that know you most in and out are uh giving up on you kind of then um he's going to be losing a whole lot of money this summer yeah barring some kind of miracle where he comes back and just plays out of his mind this is going to cost him a huge payday just just a big blow for him and um, I it'll be interesting I don't I don't think he's suited up for the Rockets since then uh, he played the 27th 29th and the oh. third and the second oh, oh there you go yeah he hasn't looked great though he he's looked injured or he's looked slower he hasn't looked the same as before the injury which is expected but right. still not good for someone trying to sign a big payday yeah so uh Another player, I don't think, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, I might have just missed it, but Marcus Thornton was supposed to go to the Pistons as uh, well. Yeah, I think I forgot to say and that. And he, he ends up going back to the Rockets because of the 40 triggers as well. It's just a really weird situation. The Pistons had their time to, to give them the physical and ask the lead for an extra 24 hours. I know you and I had actually talked about this while it was going on, wondering if the Rockets were going to allow the Pistons to have that extra 24 hours not and in the end they ended up doing it and it cost them really as Matunis is back with Houston yeah I mean I don't know if that's the reason or that's the thing that cost them I think the Pistons were already leaning towards not passing his physical 
And so, Rockets were just... I mean, the Rockets had nothing to lose to give them an extra 24 hours if they thought the Pistons were leaning that way, because they wanted it to go through, getting something mm-hmm. for nothing. Um, but yeah, that's a pretty rough trade for the Rockets. Uh, the Pistons have played well since then, so it's not looking too bad for them. The Sixers lose out on a second-round pick. They also cut Jakar Sampson because they were planning on re-signing him. They had to cut him to make the trade go through, and then they were going to release Joel Anthony, and then they were going to pick back up Jakar. But then the Nuggets signed him, so they lost out on a player, didn't get a second-round pick. Yeah, so that's pretty much everything went. Every The teams that got screwed the most were not the Pistons. Right. So which I is, was kind of happy about that. Yeah, yeah. That was a, it would have been a big risk for the Pistons to pick him up in. Yeah, I think ultimately they made the right decision and voiding that trade. And like you said, Pistons have been playing well lately. And it's been working out for them. They were able to get a big piece at the trade deadline in Tobias Harris. And he has been playing great for the Pistons thus far, really making a big impact for this team, a big reason why they've been playing so well lately. Yeah, he has played extremely extremely well his splits are ridiculous i mean he's averaging 17 five and a half and 2.3 assists on 50 percent from the field 43 from three and 78 percent from the line and um it's expected for the three-point percentage to drop a little bit but he's been getting mostly open looks so i don't think it'll drop too far he's fit in this pistons lineup that he's played with he's fit way better than anything this season um, over with the Magic. But yeah, I think everybody was concerned when the Pistons traded for him. They were just concerned how he would fit with Marcus Morris because they're kind of in the same mold there where they can guard small forwards or power forwards as long as they're not Zach Randolph type. Right. And they can both switch on to some other players and they're just very versatile players. But they have looked really good together. Marcus, it seemed like he kind of rededicated himself to passing. He got... There were, there have been stretches where he kind of fell into a bad habit of settling for contested jump shots. And some of that's probably on the other Piston players not moving well, not being open, so he kind of has to settle. But then Harris, who's very good at cutting to the rim. Like, he's really, really good. He has a great understanding of when the defense, like... Right when they're right when his defender maybe shifts his weight a little bit one way or he looks away, then Harris takes off like a bolt of lightning towards the rim. And Morris has been fantastic at finding him. And so Morris has looked really good, and just the Pistons overall, even with their injuries, have looked great since I mean since Harris really started getting a bunch of minutes. Yeah, they've they've won four of the out of their last five. Uh, yeah, big, the big loss being over, at San Antonio. Yeah, at San, no, no one has beaten them at home. Uh, yeah. They've beaten Cleveland, uh, and that was a very convincing Cleveland win. That, that game was in Cleveland. They just shut down LeBron James. That was an impressive performance by the Pistons there. The, they beat the Sixers, Bucks, and a Toronto team that didn't have Kyle Lowry, but still a very good Toronto team as you mentioned, lost to the Knicks. And they've got some very very winnable games coming up next. They play at the Knicks tonight. Then they play Portland, who I think has been exceeding everyone's expectations. you got Damian Lillard, who's just been playing out of his mind recently, put up another 50 points against the Raptors. Yeah. And they go to Dallas. Charlotte been playing well at the Sixers again, Washington. So... A very winnable stretch coming up for the Pistons, who need to get, who need to keep this role going if they want to, if they want to stay in playoff contention. Right now, they are in the eight spot, but a half game back of the Pacers for the seven, and two games back of the Hornets for six, two and a half. Yeah. I mean, that five through eight, uh, really four through eight, is is pretty wide open between the Heat and the Pistons. So. Mm-hmm. All it takes for the Pistons is going to be a nice winning streak like what they're on now or a, a nice stretch of, of wins, and, and they're possibly looking at anywhere from the 4-8 to eight spot, I think. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I was looking through their schedule, and 
they almost every single game they play is winnable as long as they actually play. They've been playing very um, focused basketball, I guess, because earlier in the season they had some stretches, especially before the All-Star break when Pope was injured, where their just defensive focus was just terrible and their rotations weren't crisp. And then after the All-Star break, it's like they had a chance to really look at themselves and rest and all that. And and since then, they've looked really good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they have pretty much every single game on their – the rest of the schedule is winnable. Yeah. I mean, they have a bunch of games, like, at Charlotte, that's a big game. Yeah. At Washington's big, at Chicago, at Miami, at Cleveland on the last game of the season. But besides that, like, it gives – it gives it should give Pistons fans a lot of hope because if they are playing with that same energy and intensity and Drummond's – Drummond's talking more like he has recently, then I think they make the playoffs. And I think they can avoid that 7 or 8 spot, avoiding Toronto or Cleveland. But, you know, only time will tell. But I think the outlook's, the outlook's pretty good right now, in my eyes. Yeah, yeah, same here. It, it, it looks, it's looking good for the Pistons. Yeah, looking through the rest of their schedule every game, like you mentioned, is definitely a winnable game. Just a matter of well, you know, what Pistons team is going to come out. And I think one of the issues that could arise but hasn't so far, it seems, especially picking up new players with the trade deadline, is continuity with the team after acquiring these new players. But from everything that we've seen so far, it doesn't look like Tobias Harris has had any issues fitting into the scheme with the Pistons or just fitting in with the guys on the Pistons team either. Yeah, it's funny that you brought up the continuity thing because that's something that I had been thinking about a lot, especially when the trade happens because everyone has such wild expectations when a team brings in a major piece like Tobias Harris. Um, I mean, they lost their backup point guard and they lost their starting power forward, which you it's impossible to just join up with a team of players and play professionally at a high level. It takes time to develop. Um it takes time to understand where your teammates like the ball, when they're going to cut, especially with someone like Harris, who cuts all the time. Right. So it's crazy that Morris and Harris have fit in so well together. And, yeah, um, there have been a few times when Harris, like, defensively on, like, a switch or a rotation where two guys have jumped at the same person just because they clearly, it's, like, really noticeable that they haven't been playing together. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, just the level that Detroit's played at after inserting such a major piece and losing two two players that were getting what, 40 or 50 minutes a game is incredible, especially especially with all the pressure put on Harris after Stanley Johnson and uh, Tolliver, Anthony Tolliver, both got hurt. It's just nuts. It's really surprising to me. Yeah, that, that'll, that'll lead right into the, the next little topic is – those injuries that the Pistons have and, and these aren't, you know I mean, these are some key injuries that they've been having that can really affect the depth of the Pistons and you mentioned Tobias Harris being able to come in and fit in seamlessly and how the Pistons are playing so well right now and you would only hope that as these injuries subside that the Pistons will continue to play well and you know, play even better. You got Anthony Tolliver out, Stanley Johnson out. Those are two big pieces because now you're looking at an issue at depth. And <clears throat> if there's one thing that is really key for, you know, a, a good long regular season run or push that the Pistons need to do, it's that second unit coming off the bench and being able to sustain a lead that the starters put out there for them. Yeah, it's been. It's been noticeable that they're gone. I mean, losing your backup small forward and your backup power forward and your third-string point guard with Spencer Dinwiddie, which he hasn't shown much in the NBA, but the Pistons don't have anybody else who can handle the ball. And there are times when Steve Blake looks like he shouldn't be on the court. He's the most Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde I've ever seen in my life, where sometimes he looks great. Like, just the other day, I think it was against Toronto, where the first half he looked like... And he was maybe 45 year old and 45 years old and hadn't played a game in maybe I don't know 10 years, 
And then he comes out in the second half and he's whipping his like he's getting to the lane and flipping these little passes to Baines and other people looking like a wizard. And it just doesn't. A that doesn't make sense to me, and B the Pistons really need a third string point guard because um, one thing Stan Van Gundy's mentioned is, which goes along with him trading for Tobias Harris, is that. There are really only, like, three positions now in the NBA. You have point guard, because you need someone who can handle the ball. Center, because you need someone who can protect the rim and rebound. And then the other three, which you're just inserting versatile players, um, which is the way the NBA is going. But, yeah, the Pistons, they've had back to the injury part, I guess. They've really had some players step up. Like, they signed Justin Harper to a second 10-day contract recently. And just the other day he came in, I think it's also against the Raptors, where he came in, the Pistons got off to a slow start, and then he just drained two threes immediately. Um, He's a bigger power, he's a power forward who can shoot the three ball. And and then they also have like Reggie Bullock, kind of, who's a shooting guard, but who's been stuck playing some small forward, like he had to guard Kawhi the other day. And he's come in, he's been hitting threes, and he's been just going all out on defense. Um, he's been getting through screens better than most players do, I think, especially at times he's just really been able to get skinny and sneak through those screens and stick on his guy, which he's not. He's not a great player, but to have those players, to have a deep bench, that just have to, have to have players that can step in and take, just fill in for win players like Stanley Johnson get hurt, but... And then Jody Meeks is back. Um, he's a game-time decision tonight, so that helps with the Pistons a little bit. We'll see how he's playing. It's been a while. I mean, even last year he was hurt a lot. He hasn't had many games over the past year and a half or two. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> any players that the Pistons can get back at this point would will be, a, will be a help. And like you mentioned with Steve Blake, you just never know which Steve Blake you're going to get. Hopefully he can bring some sort of consistency with him but one player that the Pistons are very glad to have back and I know he's been on the court for a little while now was Contavious Caldwell Pope who you'll have to help me on this one I don't know how many games he actually sat out with his injury but the the Pistons really struggled uh, when he wasn't out there on the floor and he I think it just shows how important he is to this team yeah he's their best defender it's kind of funny that we're talking about his importance after he had maybe his worst shooting, or I guess probably his second worst shooting night of the season against the Spurs going one for ten, but where he just left every single every single ball was online, but everything was short, even his free throws. Anywho, the Pistons really missed Pope. He only missed four, I guess five games, including the injury that happened at Boston mm-hmm. due to having a wet court, which I'm still bitter about. Yeah. Pistons lost three or four of those five games. I mean, they lost to Denver at home. They should have won that. Their defense just looked really bad. Um, I mean, Pope Pope always guards the other team's best guard, and so there was just a lot of pressure on Jackson then, who's not a great defender, although he has been a lot better since the All-Star break. I've been impressed. Um, But, yeah, just losing Pope, and he's not a great three-point shooter, but he is he does at least draw people to where he is. He has a little bit of a magnet where people will guard him. And he's just been so much better at getting to the rim this season that he was actually creating for his teammates um, and just creating shots. And just missing that, I mean, you kind of don't think about some players like Pope having, even though he was really good in January, he averaged almost 17 points a game, shooting 35% from three. But just missing that player it destroyed the Pistons and it shows, I mean, Meeks being out and then also losing Pope. It's just like, sometimes you forget how important some of those, I mean, kind of minor, I don't want to call them minor because of their importance, but you just forget how important these guys are, especially with a team that doesn't have a whole lot of depth at that position. It just destroyed the Pistons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So getting him back and healthy, uh, uh, has been great. He's he's been logging a lot of minutes lately. Last five games, thirty five minutes a game. He's been, you mentioned his three three point shooting. He's he's actually, he's been shooting a lot better lately, minus that game against San Antonio. It's over four, but yeah, really, you don't have to be a great three point shooter, but as long as you can draw defenses out to you, like you mentioned, that just opens up so many things in the lane for 
people to drive or to get uh, an inside look to Drummond, who's gotten a lot better finishing around the rim. But you can't have that space if you don't have someone who at least draws the defense out with the threat of, of knocking down an open shot. So he brings a lot to the table that a lot of people may not realize, and that was on display when he missed those four or five games. Yeah, yeah, definitely was. But it's nice to have him back. Um, it's fun watching him get around, get through like every single screen and just stick on the guy like glue. Mm-hmm. Uh, his balance is ridiculous for when other... Like when he gets through that screen and someone else changes um, changes direction, he's right there with them. It's so much fun to watch. So if, if for anyone who's planning on watching the Pistons recent or upcoming games... Like tonight versus the Knicks, just watch Pope stick to his you know, whoever he's guarding, like Lou, because they you can you can tell a lot of them visibly get frustrated, and it's really fun to watch. Yeah, and it's it's easy to forget that this is, you know, he's he's got two years in the NBA. He's he's yeah. just twenty three years old, and he's playing at this level on the defensive end. And you would hope that during these summers, he's fine-tuning the aspects of his game that need to be worked on, such as his outside shot, and that he's only going to get better. Uh, this is, and I think this is a great pickup, a great draft pick by the, the Pistons a couple of years ago. <clears throat> he's only going to get better. This is very encouraging for Pistons fan if you want to look forward to the future. Yeah, it was. I thought it was a really. I mean, now it's kind of a forgot about pick because well, that draft was wasn't that draft terrible. Oh yeah, 2013. Oh. It was it was awful. Yeah, it was really bad. But man, he's. I think if they redid that, he'd be way higher now. Because I mean, you look at how he shut down Steph when they were in Golden State, coming off a of back-to-back game. The Pistons were, and he really he like did everything. He and Avery Bradley are like the only two guys who have been able to shut down Steph at all, um, and really make him work for every single point he got. Mm-hmm. And having a guy who can shut them down, especially the way he's improved his offensive game, he's much better at handling the ball and getting to the rim. He's he's like, I think he'll get paid a fair amount of money. Just, I mean, he's really good on defense, and he'll get paid for that. But he's not like Tony Allen out there who's not good on, who can't do anything on offense. You can't just ignore Pope because he... He's just gotten so he moves with the he moves when he doesn't have the ball really well and he's gotten a lot better at curling off of screens instead of like going towards the three point line he'll curl around and he can finish at the rim. Um, it's just uh, really fun having watched him improve over the last couple years. Yeah, and remember when Pistons fans, not all of them obviously, but a handful were pretty pissed off that they didn't draft Trey Burke. Yeah, he, he went number nine to Minnesota, obviously ended up in, in in Utah, but I think that ended up working out for the Pistons. Just a quick yeah. rundown of players that were taken before KCP, and I want you to tell me. Now, obviously, you're a biased Pistons fan, but... Yeah. Would you... I, I think the, the first few ones are pretty, pretty easy, but here... Number one overall in that 2013 draft was Anthony Bennett. Yeah, that was... A, uh, that was a bad... The Cavs screw up every single... They've screwed up so many number one picks. Yeah. And I don't... I'm not there... I'm, like, I'm not going to fully blame the players, because I think it's just... I think they just had a bad system. Yeah. Where yeah. it didn't allow for him to really improve. Mm-hmm. But, um, yes, I would take Pope over Bennett. And he got Orlando, who took Victor Oladipo. Okay, I'd probably... Oladipo's pretty good. I'd yep, probably take Oladipo over. He's played he's played really well. Uh, I think now that he's kind of been devoted to the bench unit where he can really headline that, he's he's played a lot better. And he got Washington taking Otto Porter. But yeah, I'm taking Pope. Yeah, that's another Jekyll Hyde type thing with Otto Porter. Uh, oh, yeah. You get Otto Porter how he played in the playoffs, or you get Otto Porter how he plays most of the regular season. I know. Every so often he'll look like a great player, mm-hmm. and then he's the rest of the time it's... Yeah, even watching the game last night where they just got manhandled by the Cavs. Otto Porter is almost invisible. Yeah. And he got Cody Zeller to the Hornets. Yep, I would probably take Pope there. Mm-hmm. Not not to knock Zeller, who's actually been having a fairly good year. Yeah, then, I like, I like yeah, Zeller. Yeah. But I think 
if you can have Pope who can defend wings as well as he can who's yeah. a, and who's improved his game, I'm definitely taking Pope. Then you got Phoenix who took Alex Len. That I can't make a decision on that one yet. I still think Len could be really good. Yeah, Al- Alex Len's had he's, he's pl- been playing decent lately. I like I mean. Alex Len. I'm a fan. And then you got so I'm undecided on that one. The uh, New Orleans. They were still the Hornets, but they took Nerlens Noel. He's with the Sixers now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think you got to take Pope. It's it's hard. I'd with probably Noel. take Pope. See the thing with Pope, you can fit Pope into onto any team, and mm-hmm. he's going to be good. Noel, I think you have to have a certain. I think Noel could be really good, but I think it takes a certain. Uh, he has to have certain players around him to yeah. really emphasize his skills. Yep, but Noel then, could be really good still. He's like so athletic, and he could—I mean, he's the kind of guy you can get four blocks and four steals in a game. Like it's nothing. Yeah, it's just hard when he's with the Sixers. They just have way too many big men. It's there. The fit just isn't there. And yeah. then you had one spot above KCP. The Kings took Ben McLemore. Yeah, I think everybody's taking Pope over McLemore now. Yeah. So obviously, hindsight being twenty twenty. It's easy to see. Yeah, Taking seems Pope. like he'd probably go top five, maybe. Yeah, you would think so. So, if you're a Pistons fan, you are thanking your lucky stars that they had the intuition to take Pope with that eight spot. Because even you look behind him, you know, a lot of people were calling for Trey Burke, who went to Michigan, you know, from close around to the area, grew up in Ohio, not too far away. Yeah, C.J. McCollum, who... Teaming him up with good. Damian Lillard, I think, was great for him. I mean, there were some some people that the Pistons could have taken, uh, but yeah. they they went with Pope and and that gamble. I don't know how much you want to call it a gamble, but that's worked out for him really well. Yeah, it's always kind of a. I mean, he was good with Georgia, but sometimes it's tough to judge those players. Just um, Georgia didn't have like anybody else there. Like it was, it felt watching some just some. I mean, mostly just highlights because I don't really watch college ball that much. But Pope Pope didn't have a lot to work with while he was there. Kind of a little bit like the Miles Turner thing, where I felt like from what I watched, I watched a couple games of him, and it just felt like Texas didn't have the personnel or the understanding of how to use him in that offense. I mean, if you're running any sort of pick and a roll with Miles Turner and a competent point guard in college, I think you're probably having some success. Because he can shoot and he's big and can cut to the rim. There's just, I don't know how you couldn't use him well. And that's kind of the hindsight's twenty twenty. but in my defense, I was high, I was very high on Miles Turner entering the draft. I don't know. I'm glad I don't have to uh, make draft picks or anything like that, because that's a lot. Mm-hmm. So many different factors. So, just speaks to the importance of of KCP and this Pistons system and how well and what a key he is for any success that they have. So, Yeah. Um, did you want to talk about any of the other trades that happened? Sure. Sure, we can. Uh, it, it, you. It, wasn't, uh, it wasn't the trade deadline that we had last year. Last year was just nuts. Yeah, no. This one, this one, I felt like was a little underrated. I actually, I don't like the word underrated, but underappreciated by a, a lot of people because I think there were some fun trades. Um, but then it did lose some luster once that one trade was rescinded. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there were some big. I think there were some big pickups. Like I really liked Courtney Lee going to the Hornets. Um, he fit a need, and it allows, it allows Batum to go over to small forward where he's a better fit. Mm-hmm. And Courtney Lee can actually, I mean, he's a good player. He's really good 3 and D type player. I mean, that's all he is, but that's all they need him to be. But yeah, so I thought that was a really good pickup by Charlotte. Um, they didn't even have to give up too much. They just gave up, what, two second-round picks? And then the Heat also gave the Grizzlies two second-round picks to cut cap on that pick, or on that trade. Mm-hmm. But, um... Yeah, there weren't a whole lot of uh, big name trades, really any at all. There were there were a lot of rumors going around. Dwight Howard obviously didn't go anywhere. Al Horford's Jeff Teague, they both ended up staying in Atlanta. Kevin Love staying in 
Cleveland, Carmelo, in yeah. New York. But one thing that the Cavaliers did do is they picked up Channing Fry from the Magic, and they sent out fan favorite Anderson Verishow, and he got picked up by the Warriors. And, well, I don't know how you feel about that one, but my thinking on that is the Cavaliers may have missed the mark. I know it's, it's almost a forced move by them, but having the Warriors pick up Verizhou, whew, that's I just envision the Warriors and Cavaliers meeting up again and Verizhou doing something to just crush Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, it was a good pickup for the Warriors who have been through injuries and, I mean, Azili's had the he's had some injuries and Bogut's always got something ailing. Um so I thought it was a great pickup to get Verjao. And yeah, it seemed like a lot to give up for Channing Fry. Um in that Pistons game, I mean the I thought the Cavs did a good job of I mean, a pick and pop with Channing Fry is hard to defend. Mm-hmm. It just is. So I, I kinda like that. I mean I liked what I saw just in the games I've watched the Cavs since they made that trade. But it seemed like a lot to give up, and Verizal going to the Warriors, that's definitely a rough blow for them, especially if they have to face each other in the playoffs and the championship. But, yeah, I mean, I liked it for Orlando. You might as well get something for Fry. Yeah. I really liked it for Portland, taking on the cap for Verizal and getting a conditional 2018 first-round pick from Cleveland. But, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, I mean, it seemed like a lot to give up for a guy that's. I don't know how much he pushes the envelope for. No, him. I mean he played six minutes against Washington, didn't play a single minute against Indiana. So I, I not not really sure how the Cavaliers are going to utilize him. I mean, the Cavs went small ball against Washington, and then they had a lot of success. Kevin Love sat out. So I'm not sure what the plan is for the Cavaliers to use Fry. But like you said, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's really going to help the Cavaliers make that final push that they need. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Man, they, seriously. Um, I was looking up the conditional 2018 first-round draft pick to Portland. And it is... Let me just read you the description of this. If at least two years after Cleveland conveyed a first-round pick to Phoenix, then Cleveland's first-round pick to Portland, protected for selections 1-10 to in 2018 and 1-10 in 19, if Cleveland has not conveyed a first-round pick to Portland by 2019, then Portland will instead receive the less favorable of the Lakers' 2019 second-round pick and Minnesota's 2019 second-round pick and Cleveland's 2021 second-round pick. So, um... My point being is that sometimes people think these trades are very easy to make, but there's a lot of things that both teams have to agree on, especially when trading uh, picks with protections, when they owe other picks with protections, just trying to get all that stuff figured out, especially when the deadline's coming to a close. Like, that's got to be some intense stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes with these trades that the casual fan and really even you and I or me I guess aren't yeah, going to be aware super aware it. of yeah and yeah. and it's easy for us to sit back and, and bash trades or say well why well, why didn't you do this or why did you do that but there's a lot of moving pieces that we just don't see so mm-hmm. yeah for sure and I mean we'll see I mean it's tough to judge a trade this early if mm-hmm. Verizal does, if or if um, Channing Fry is the reason the Cavs win the championship or the Cavs win and he's playing, then maybe it was worth it. Um, if they don't win, then I'd have to say it's not worth it. But they did shed that Verizal contract, so that's something. Yeah, yeah. Another name that got traded was... Uh, sorry, drawing a blank here. Markeith Morris finally got his wish to get out of Phoenix and ended up with the Washington Wizards. So I, th- I think that's a good pickup for Washington, who is desperate to do anything to uh, make it to the playoffs after a season last year where 
expectations were high, high coming in again this year, and they've done nothing but struggle. So I think they were hoping Morris could come in, pick them up a little bit. Hasn't played too badly with them. And I think Morris is giving more effort than he was in Phoenix. He, that was just a mess. <laughs> it was just a yeah. mess there. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I would hope he's giving that's, more effort. That's, that's uh, putting it lightly. Yeah. <laughs> Very lightly. Uh, um, yeah, I, I actually like that trade for both teams. I think Washington needed to mix it up. And after seeing what happened with Detroit and Marcus and how Marcus has really become kind of a leader on the court there for him. Um, I think that they that was a good risk to take. Like Marquise had some stretches with Phoenix where he's he was really good and he's not paid nearly what he should have gotten before the Suns kind of went back on their word, even though it wasn't written in stone or anything. Um but yeah, I mean, I think the Morrises. I think if they if, think if you show them love or like that you care about them and you want them to be part of your NBA family, I think they're going to give you a hundred percent every every game. So I think that was a good pick um, pick up for Washington, and then Phoenix gets a protected first round pick this season, one to nine. Um, you, it looks like it'll be going out this season, unless something crazy happens. And I mean, yeah. Getting getting a first round pick. Granted, the draft's a little weaker this year, yeah. but uh, those picks are on, I believe, the old numbers. So, so these contracts that these rookies sign are going to be way cheaper than the contracts the rookies sign next year when the caps yeah. have gone way up. So, it's a very cheap piece of talent that the Suns were uh, just acquired. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned those first round picks. It's uh, this is something that Zach Lowe. Zach Lowe mentioned, it's just odd to think how, uh, uh, sorry, Morris gets a first-round pick, Montahunas was going to get a first-round pick, and Tobias Harris didn't. Just seems know, just seems really backward bizarre. to me. Uh, so, I don't know. It's, it's, it was weird. It was a weird trade, and, and I think my favorite, my favorite part of the trade deadline what involved obviously. obviously I think you know where I'm going with this <laughs> involved Doc Rivers sending Lance Stevenson to Memphis but bringing in Jeff Green I know there's just which... some, there's just something about Doc Rivers bringing in his old guys who aren't good and it's it just baffles me how bad he is as a GM I mean the, the tweets about it were just just brutal. I don't think I mean, he's good as a coach either. Oh no, I mean, it's I just mean, Jeff, I just don't understand. He he Jeff gave Green's up such a how do you, hit or miss player. Yeah, you give up a first round pick for Jeff Green. Yeah, potential. Uh, I mean, chance, there's a chance it won't end up going out. If at least two years after the L.A. Clippers conveyed a first-round pick to Toronto, because they owe a 2000, they owe a protected pick to Toronto. So if the Clippers stay good, then if the Clippers stay good through like 2019, then they'll have to give their first-round pick to Memphis. Yep. And if they don't stay good, and they haven't given their first-round pick to Memphis by 2020, then they only have to give up a second-round pick a couple years later. But the way it seems like the Clippers will stay Which good, but seems likely. I don't know. Um, Jeff Green, I'm not a fan of him. Like the only games, it seems like the only time he does well is against bad teams. And so then, any time they're playing someone good, he's shooting five for fourteen or whatever. And then when they're playing the trash wad Kings or something, sorry Kings fans, he's like. Recently, he went 9-for-13 against them, 4-for-5 from the three-point line. Which they ended up needing it that night. They won by 10, so maybe that was really important, but that's Jeff Green right there. That's what he does. And then you see Lance. This is why I just don't think Doc's a great coach anymore. He's good at managing personalities, which is a big part of it. That's why Phil Jackson was such a good coach. He managed a lot of really good players and he managed their personalities and got them to play together but like Lance Stevenson especially last night he looked pretty good 
for the Grizzlies. So Doc, every every player that Doc trades or receives, like when he receives a player, he looks good elsewhere. Comes to Doc, doesn't look that good. Doesn't look good for Doc. He trades him, and the guy starts looking good again. There's, um, I mean, it keeps happening. So I don't. I think it's getting easier and easier to blame Doc for this stuff. Like last night, in the Grizzlies' six-point win versus the Jazz, Lance went eight for eleven with sixteen points and five rebounds, and he did some good stuff. I know. I mean, it's Lance. You're not going to get a lot of good stuff, but he's since the trade, he's averaging about twelve points a game and about five rebounds a game. That's pretty solid. And about stat two assists a yeah. game. I mean, those are solid numbers for a bench player playing twenty mid twenty minutes. Yeah. Plus, you got the entertainment factor. I mean, you want to think about who's on the Grizzlies team right now. You got Tony Allen. I mean, these are just crazy people. Tony Allen, Lance Stevenson, Matt Barnes, Anthony Randolph, Birdman. That's a lot of personality on that team. I know who tried who tried to fight Lance Stevenson, or they tried to confront Lance Stevenson in like 2011 or 12, whenever Lance was a bench warmer and uh, did the choke sign to LeBron. Oh, yeah. That's, there's a, it's a like, lot of crazy. Grizzlies are entertaining. It's a team of crazy. Oh, man. They're, they're, they're the, what, what, I think, who's who's the who does the back alley? Uh, Jalen Rose, they're the all back alley team. Oh, who is it? I think it's J- Jalen and Jacoby. I Probably, think yeah. Do that sounds back right. alley team. But that's what their team is. Yeah, you don't like, want to pick a fight with them. Do not it, piss off the Grizzlies. No, Street Fighter. Oh, man, it's it's fantastic. So, no. a, you know, a fairly uneventful trade deadline as far as big names are concerned, but still some moves worth talking about. It'll be interesting to see how those moves are played out the rest of the season. One more thing I liked. Someone posted, I don't, I'm sorry, I can't give whoever this was credit. Someone created a, um, will your trade work? And so they ask you a few questions, if, and then they'll tell you if your trade's going to work or not. Um, is the player an all-star? Is the player making over $20 million a year? Is the player, like, it's just all questions like that. If any of them are yes, then he won't be traded. Because that's, well, that's, I mean, 95% of the time, that's how it is. Rarely mm-hmm. does a big name get moved during the break, because right. it's just too hectic and... Usually, though, if any of those moves are going to happen, they're going to happen in the off season. Yeah. Um, once teams have been able to reevaluate and all that stuff, but I really enjoyed that because it's true. And so, if if you're coming up with these crazy trades, even though they're super fun to do and I do them all myself, chances are they're not going to go through right. because it's too crazy. No. But yeah. Um. What else do we have on this list, my friend? Well. <sighs> Depends. If we want to dive into the Pelicans, or I can go right into. Got a few rapid fire questions regarding the NBA. Depends on what um, you want to get into. Let's just go into the rapid fire questions. All right. Can save the Pelicans for another day. See, they've been so wishy washy because it looked like they were going to make our push for the playoffs, and then the next thing you know, they're losing three in a row. Mm hmm. So, we'll give them a week and then see, reevaluate them, see if they're worth talking about. That works for me. So, question number one. Is LeBron going to Miami on his days off to work out with Dwayne Wade a big deal? No. I like, I really loved LeBron's response of being like, uh, like I do, like I wanted to do do it and I had fun or whatever, so of course I'm going to do it. Why do you guys care? Yep. That kind of thing. Um, he's really good friends with Dwayne Wade. Sometimes it's good to get away for a little bit and just go exercise with somebody. And I mean, anyone who's played sports or exercise consistently knows that it's way more fun to exercise with a friend. And especially if you're one that pushes each other. And so I think those two probably push each other because they've both experienced a lot of the same things in life. Um, so yeah, no, not a big deal. Yep, I agree 100%. I do not think it's a big deal at all. A lot of people are trying to read into it as far as, ooh, is LeBron going to leave Cleveland again? Is he going to try to go back with Dwayne Wade? I think that's just stupid. Uh, I yeah, think it's just a matter of Cleveland had two days off. 
LeBron wanted to go hang out with Dwayne Wade, why not? I don't have an issue with it either, but there's a lot of people out there who are reading way too much into it. So I know, yeah. It's it's completely complete non factor to me. Yep. Yep. Question number two. Will the Toronto Raptors overtake the Cavaliers for the number one spot in the East? That is a no for me. And just um, just for those listening, the Raptors are forty one and nineteen, and the Cavaliers are forty three and seventeen. So the Raptors are sitting two games back at the Cavs. Yeah, they um. One thing that when I was I do a piston, I do a preview of all the Pistons games, the team they're facing, that stuff, and um, one thing I noticed was doing research about the Raptors, just looking into some stuff, is that during this big stretch where they made a huge run, where they looked really good, they are beating a bunch of teams, their January and February opponents' win percentage was 46.4%. Like, they were playing bad teams almost every single night. Yeah, it's kind of like what happened with the Clippers for a while. They were on a yeah, nice winning ex- streak, but they were exactly. playing trash. Yeah. So I think the Raptors are very good, and I think the cat. I think the Raptors could push the Cavaliers to the limit in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But I think now that the Raptors aren't playing cupcakes every single night, I think that they are going to lose a few more games, and um, I don't think they'll catch them. All right, fair enough. I don't think they're going to catch them either. But if it had been a discussion that had been brought up uh, quite often with how the Raptors have been playing recently, yeah. Like, yeah, granted, like, against trash teams, but they've really they've really closed the gap between, uh, between the caps. So it's that thought was something worth bringing up. Yeah, I think they one more thing. I think they played like three, uh, three road games versus playoff teams during that February January February stretch. Although the Bulls, one of them, I think they're Bulls, Blazers, Cavs, and the Bulls are no longer playoff team. The Blazers are. Blazers are playing well, but um, that was a bit of that was. Um, I don't know if that was during their when the Blazers got hot. Anyways, they're not great or anything, even though they're playing well now. And then the Cavs are good, so that's a big win. But like that's it. And then they have this stretch coming up. I mean, they play. They play some home games versus a call three playoff teams, and then they have to go on the road at Milwaukee Pacers, Boston twice, road and home. Um, then they have a stretch of OKC, Atlanta, Memphis, San Antonio, Charlotte, Atlanta, Indiana. Those are all playoff teams. Um, and for that reason, and maybe, I mean, Toronto, say Toronto wins, whatever, 66% of them, those tough games or whatever, 60%. I still don't think that's enough room for them to catch the Cavs. Yeah, that's fair enough. I, I agree with I agree with you. I don't think they're going to either. And the yeah. last question. Which is more likely to happen? Rockets stay in the eight seed. The Rockets miss the playoffs, or Rockets move up. Um. Whew. So that means the Jazz would have to take him over. Yep, and the Jazz are two games back of the Rockets. The Rockets on a five-game losing streak. Yep. <laughs> And the Rockets are two games back in the Blazers. And um, so, from... If I remember correctly, which it looks like I do, the Jazz do not have the easiest schedule in the world. Um, I mean, they did get three tough road games out of the way. Boston, Toronto, Memphis, which they lost every single one of them. But, man, the Jazz have a tough schedule. And... Um, Rodney Hood, didn't he just suffer a head injury or concussion? Something like that. Yeah, Rodney Hood suffered a minor head injury, so I think um, he was fine the next day, so I guess it's not a big problem, but head injuries are always scary. Mm-hmm. But That's, yeah, It says he's available to play against Memphis. Yeah, I think, man, man, Houston's bad, but... With the Jazz schedule, I think the Jazz are a better team, and I hope the Jazz pull it out because I'd rather see the Jazz in the playoffs. They have more likable players. I think they're better. Huge fan of Rodney Hood. 
Um, I think the Rockets will stick in that eighth seed. If you would have asked me this question... Rockets-Warriors are a pretty fun matchup first yeah. round. Oh, yeah, that would be. I think if you would have asked me this question a few weeks ago, I would have said the Rockets are more likely to miss the playoffs. But I, it's, I think... I think it has more to do with the Jazz than it mm-hmm. does with the Rockets. So yeah, I'm with you on I'm that. Gonna, that's why I'm going to say the Jazz are going to stay in that eight spot. Man, I, Houston doesn't have an easy schedule either, though. Um, it'll be interesting if it comes down to like the last week. Houston plays Phoenix, Los Angeles, Lakers, Minnesota, and Sacramento. Those should be three of those games ways. at home. So if Houston can stay in there until those last four games, then they'll make it. Okay, changing my mind. I'm picking the Jazz. You're picking the Jazz? <laughs> yeah. But, wrinkle, I think the Houston Rockets could make it and the Mavericks could fall out. Hmm, that's interesting. Mavericks sitting at 33-29, curling the sixth spot. They have not looked good. Um, they've mostly only beaten bad teams recently like really bad teams recently anytime they faced a good team they've lost pretty much so um alright so so you're going with the the Jazz are going to overtake the Rockets Jazz are going to overtake the Rockets the Mavericks are going to follow the playoffs and the Rockets will stick in the 8th seed hot take hot take alert I know. I like it. Things got wiggly there. They did. They did. Well, I, um, I, th- I think you nailed those three questions with rapid fire. Keep you on your toes. Yeah. I enjoyed the... I Actually, I really enjoyed the rapid fire questions. I think we might have All to those, I didn't. I didn't know a single... I didn't know a single question before sure. it Yep, we agreed on that. I think we might have to make this a uh, fairly regular portion of our podcast, rapid-fire questions. We'll come up with a catchy title sometime. I, hopefully it's better than rapid-fire questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it will be. Uh, yeah. Um, that's all the NBA news I have, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, so uh, on to... Uh, some other news and notes. It's time for my semi-regular Red Wings update. <laughs> it's yeah. been a while. I think it's number two. It's number two. It's been a while. So right now, uh, my favorite team, the Detroit Red Wings, everyone's favorite team, really. Red Wings are uh, sitting in a playoff spot right now. They are at 32, 21, and 11. Uh, 32 wins, 21 losses. And you got the, with the weird point system in the NHL, they actually have 11 overtime losses, but if you go to overtime, you get a point. I hate it. Call it the loser point. I think it's terrible. I think they should get rid of it, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. It actually <clears throat> makes the casual fan more interested in playoff races. Yeah, which is every, which is exactly what the NHL needs. Yep, yep. It's becoming more popular, which is good. I love the NHL. I, mm-hmm. I actually don't think there's a better in-person viewing experience than a playoff NHL game. Or even TV. I mean, High-intensity <clears throat> hockey games are fun. Yeah, it, there's, there's just nothing like them. But I digress. So the Red Wings are on pace to make the playoffs again for a 25th consecutive year, which is pretty absurd to think about it that last time they missed the playoffs was uh, I think it was the 89-90 season but a quarter of a century of making the playoffs is just unbelievable Uh, they're sitting in a wild card spot right now one point ahead of Pittsburgh and it doesn't look like anyone's going to catch them for the wild card spot for a while Red Wings were sitting in the 2-3 spot of the Atlantic division uh, they've had a little bit of a rough stretch lately, going 4-3-3 three, three in the last 10. So they're sitting three points back at Boston, who is in that third spot in the Atlantic Division at 78 points. Uh, Red Wings with 75. They do have a game in hand. Next game coming up is, is against the Blackhawks on Sunday, who just trashed the Red Wings on Thursday 5-2. to two. So it's not, I'm not 
too optimistic about their game on Sunday, especially since it's at the United Center. But the Red Wings have a very winnable stretch coming up after Chicago, where they go Columbus, Blue Jackets, uh, then they play Winnipeg Jets. They got the Maple Leafs, the Flyers, Columbus again. So this next stretch game for the Red Wings is going to be very important for them if they want to come back and get into that Atlantic Division uh, playoff hunt there. Uh, But it's looking like the Wings will make the playoffs, but it's not going to be enough because there's been a lot of first-round exits with the Wings lately. And I think if that happens again, then you, you may see general manager Ken Holland look to shake things up with the Red Wings doesn't really do too much at the trade deadline they're normally quiet when it comes to that but it it wouldn't surprise me to see them do something in the offseason if they have another first round exit uh if you're a fan of the red wings you you expect great things you expect excellence you don't expect these first round exits so it'll be interesting to see what happens in these last oh i don't even know how many about 20 games or so left in the regular Mm -hmm. season uh, they've got a stretch here where they've got a lot of winnable games and they need to get a streak going, especially with how well the Tampa Bay Lightning have been playing. I, I think they've won something like, uh, they've won eight in a row. Yeah, Tampa Bay has overtaken Florida for that number one spot in the Atlantic, winning eight in a row. Boston's been playing really well lately too. So if the Red Wings want any shot of moving up in the Atlantic division and not just staying in that wild card spot, they're going to have to get a streak of games going and hoping that Tampa Bay starts coming back to earth, which I don't think is going to happen. Tampa Bay is a very good hockey team. So, Red Wings, get it together, get a little streak going, make your way up the Atlantic division, hopefully get out of the first round of the playoffs. The thing with hockey is, especially in the playoffs, if you have a hot goalie, then you can ride a hot goalie all the way to the Stanley Cup. It seems to happen Mm -hmm. just about every single year and Red Wings are due for that. Peter Mrazek, I think, is actually a top-five goaltender in the league. Stats will back him up on that. He's had some rough games lately. He's actually coming off an injury day-to-day. So if he can get back on track, I think the Red Wings have an opportunity to ride him for a long way through the playoffs. But, you know, all it takes is going up against one hot goalie who can shut a team down. Red Wings aren't the best offensively anyways. They, They score just... Uh, something like two and a half goals a game, which is, I think, 21st. Yeah, two and a half goals a game, 21st overall. So, And their power play has just been abysmal. So putting the puck in the net has been an issue for the Red Wings. But if they can have Mrazic show up in the playoffs and ride him, then I think they could have some success. But it's... The last quarter of the season is going to be very important as far as their playoff seeding is concerned. So we'll see how it goes. They need to they need to get something going for them. They need to do it quickly. Much like the Pistons, they're in a very precarious spot. Uh, they need yeah. to start playing better. Yeah, they definitely have similar seasons here. Um, just the way the playoffs playoff picture is shaken up. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I never pay I hardly pay any attention to the Western Conference. But it's crazy. I'd love to see a side-by-side of, like, man, a few, like, a couple weeks ago before Anaheim went on their 10-game winning streak and before Arizona went on their 7-game losing streak. Because they're separated by 20 points now. But, man, like, it's funny to think just two weeks ago that would have been, like, they were pretty close. Mm Mm-hmm. Neither team, I mean, Arizona doesn't even have an overtime loss in those in their seven-game losing streak. Yep. It's just like, just two weeks can make such a difference, especially if, yeah, if, like you were saying, if the goalie gets hot, I mean, obviously it's very important in the playoffs, but if the goalie gets hot now, you can rattle off a handful of wins and just completely change the landscape. Yeah, that, that, that's actually what the Red Wings have done not too long ago. They, uh, they had rattled off a nice streak with Mrazic playing really well. So they got a big test coming up on Sunday. Hopefully they have yeah. a better showing. They, they, just, they just weren't there. The effort wasn't there. It was embarrassing to watch on mm-hmm. Thursday night. So I'm sure that 
that the Red Wings leadership will will be addressing that, and hopefully we'll see a better better showing on Sunday and, and in the games ahead. Because I, th- I think if we can get the Red Wings and the Pistons both in the playoffs, that's going to be an exciting time for Detroit sports. I know, yeah, extremely exciting. Yeah. So, yeah. well, that's my that's my Red Wings update, and I'm sure you'll hear another one here in the next, you know, two or three months. <laughs> yeah, hopefully sooner. I hope I would hope so too. Um, tonight in the NBA, we have a few games. Some actually pretty good games, mm-hmm. evenly matched teams coming up. We have the Pistons and Knicks. You want to? You just want to go by uh, predictions here. Yeah, just give me predictions. I have one thing to say about the Knicks. Yep. And um, how ridiculous their minutes have been for Melo. I honestly, if I was if I was a Knicks, uh, if I was Kurt Rambis, I would not be playing Melo tonight. He played four min- forty minutes last night in a loss in Boston. Jeez. Which I realize it's a pretty short trip from New York or Boston to New York since it's in New York tonight. But, like, he played 40 intense minutes in Boston last night, and then you're going to expect him to play another again tonight in a back-to-back? What are you playing? You're not playing for anything. The playoffs are out of, already out of reach. Yeah. Um, he needs to do a much better job of managing these minutes. I mean, what are you doing? You're playing Calderon 38, Aflalo 39, and Melo 40. Porzingis 20, not in foul trouble. Like, what are you... What? Does... It doesn't make sense to me. Porzingis was plus eight on the team, um, the highest tied for the highest on the team with Kyle O'Quinn, which I'm glad Kyle O'Quinn's getting minutes again because I think he's a solid player. But um, it just seems crazy that he's. I think I don't know why Rambus has a job, but um, anywho, I think that with how many minutes those just veterans played last night, I mean those guys aren't young. Um, I think the Pistons can just roll through the Knicks tonight. Yep, I'm I'm taking the Pistons as well. Um, let me check uh, our trust our trusty got, off. Yeah, I got US the schedule right here. If you want it, I was gonna check the trusty off soils off U.S. soils uh, Bovada to see what the line was. Well, I'm seeing Detroit minus five. Yeah, they have them at minus five and a half. I yeah. would take Detroit on that one. Yep. Yeah, I, th- I think so as well. So we'll just we'll just do a little another rapid fire pick 'em. So Pistons Knicks, we're both going Pistons. Yeah. Uh, Celtics Cavaliers, both coming off back to back. Cavaliers were able to rest their players. I'm going to go with the Cavaliers on this one. Yeah. Um. Also playing on a back to back, the second night of a back to back on the road is usually. Um, if you're playing a back-to-back and you're at home on the second half, then there's no difference at all in win percentage. Um, on the road, tough game. Um, I'm taking taking the Cavs. The line is 7.5 for Cleveland. Yep. Um, the Celtics have been pretty good on back-to-backs, and they're pretty deep. Um, man, I take, don't know. Going to take the points? I would probably – I think Boston can hang in there. Brad Stevens has those guys playing hard all the time. I think I'd take the points for Boston to lose by fewer than seven and a half points. But is Kevin Love playing tonight? He should be. He was just sitting out for rest. Okay. Yeah, I think that's tough. Celtics coming off a fairly tough. I mean, what was the score last time with the Knicks? Was that a close uh, game? One hundred five, one hundred four. I looked. So um, they were down one hundred. They were down. The Celtics were down ninety-two to one hundred, and they won one hundred five, one hundred four. Huh. I I think the Cavaliers win by more than seven and a half. There. I think. All right. So. How about Pacers Wizards? Going. Big play. I mean, big game for both teams. Yeah. This is. Wizards by two and a half is the line. Yeah. Wizards played last night against the Cavs. Pacers played against the Hornets. This is, this is a big game for both of them. I have Wizards. I, at, uh, I have the Wizards winning by more than two and a half. I'm going to go with the Pacers on this one. I, I think the Pacers get pissed off against 
They're losing to the Hornets. I think they come out, and I think they beat the Wizards. I'm going to go with enough. the Pacers on this one. All right, we've got the Utah Jazz and the New Orleans Pelicans. Looks like New Orleans minus two. Game being played in New Orleans at the Smoothie King Center. Oh, yeah. Hopefully uh, King Baby makes an appearance. Oh, yeah. That thing's so <laughs> dirty. Um, I'm taking Jazz here. Jazz. I'm going to go with the Jazz as well. Uh, Nets, Timberwolves. I can't I can't not pick the Timberwolves. Six and a half. Nets have looked better since um, the trade. I think kind of rejuvenated. Getting some fresh blood into the lineups. Um, T-Wolves uh, pulled all their starters last game. And they didn't come back in, like in the second half. Or during the second half, they pulled all their starters and didn't bring them back in because he was mad at how they were playing. Um, I'm not sure Sam Mitchell did, their coach. I'm not sure how they respond. Um, I'm going Timberwolves. I'll take the points for the Nets. Fair enough. Rockets, Bulls. Uh, Rockets. If the Bulls don't have Jimmy Butler, they're terrible. Even if Derrick Rose has been playing the best since he's played for a long yeah. time. Yep, I'm taking the Rockets as well. I think that, that line is one. Chicago minus one. Yeah. I'm taking the Rockets. Yeah. King Spurs. Uh, Spurs by 13. I Spurs probably win by 20. The Spurs blow yeah. people out. Yep, and, yep, they're at home. That home winning streak is going to continue. Spurs by more than 13. And last one of the night, Hawks Clippers. Um, say the Hawks lose by fewer than six. Yeah, I, I'm going to take Clippers to win the game. And I'm going to take Clippers to win by more than six. Ooh. Yeah, those are fun games. They should be competitive games yeah. tonight. Yeah, I think it's going to be some good ones tonight. We're looking forward to, to seeing those. See how they pan out. Yeah. Especially with the, the Pistons. Especially in the Pistons and the Pacers game. I know, yeah. You get to see a little bit in the Bulls yeah. um, and the Hawks. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of things could happen tonight. Go uh, Clippers, go Rockets, go Nets to screw over the Celtics out of a pick. Go Wizards, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Go Pistons. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that does it for us, unless you got any final comments. I got nothing. Got nothing? All right. We're all talked out. We appreciate you tuning in for another episode here at the J&J Sports Talk Radio podcast thing. Mm-hmm. We are on iTunes. Check us out. Uh, check out our website or Twitter handle. You'll have There'll be directions on how to reach us and all of those. What's that Twitter handle of ours? J&J underscore sports radio. Our Twitter handle, yep, that is correct. Our Twitter handle is at JJ underscore sports radio. So we'll have our website on there and a link to get to us on a podcast on iTunes. Give us a listen. Give us a rating. A subscription, really appreciate it. A five-star rating, people. Five-star rating, that's what we shoot for. That's what we deserve. 